Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Hey, oh, hey, Welcome to Tuesday's Fantasy NBA Today and Today in Sports Betting Simulcast, a very special episode. As our buddy Devin Ellington, the normal host of Today in Sports Betting, is being carried away by a biblical flood in Oklahoma right now. So we are simulcasting today's show, or at least the sports betting part of it. I am your host, Dan Bespris. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. And uh, I think that probably gives you a little bit of an indicator of how things are going to be going on today's podcast. This is, of course, a HoopBall presentation. That's hoop-ball.com. I am at Dan Bespris on Twitter if you'd like to give me a follow. Or don't. I guess it's entirely up to you. Please hit me up if you want to start the first ever non-sports podcast here at HoopBall, at Dan Bespris once again. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Hoopball is at Hoopball Tweets. I want to make sure you guys are checking that out. Cool things, by the way, going on at Hoopball before we dive into the betting side of the ledger today, and then we'll break down our next team in our trip around the NBA. Yesterday, of course, we broke down the Lakers as our first fantasy recap on uh, the the 2020-2021 campaign. That's hard to say. That's why I often don't say it that way. And today, we'll be looking at the Clippers. So we'll just cover the other, or that's not fair, but another of two teams in Los Angeles. There you go. But the cool thing going on at HoopBall right now, in addition to, and we mentioned this a bunch of times last week, in addition to the fact that we have a new podcast called the All Rookie Podcast, hosted by the great William Harris, where they break down they, he, it's he right now, although there will be guests and other fun things going on. Most recently, William did an episode uh, of a mock draft, broke down a mock draft. But that's a show that's going to be tracking rookies coming into the NBA and how they perform all season long, both from a reality and from a fantasy standpoint. So very good show for folks that are into Dynasty Leagues, which is a perfect segue into our next new podcast dropping at HoopBall today, probably within the next two hours. It's called Punt Intended. I know, it's a pun on the word pun. Punt intended, a Dynasty NBA podcast. So it's a show. Uh, Rhett Bauer and Travis Fuller, the two hosts, Rhett writes for us here at HoopBall. The show is going to be focused exclusively on Dynasty Leagues. How cool is that? A Dynasty podcast. I love it. I love it. Everybody's always asking me, Dan, when are you going to talk about the Dynasty stuff? I'm not. I'm not. This is a redraft podcast for the most part. I'll, I'll hint at 
keeper league type stuff, somebody that might be better the following year, reasons to look at guys at the end of the season, even if they're not performing at the end of said season. But this isn't a dynasty podcast. We don't track the rookie draft for the most part. This is a redraft show. I've tried to do a better job lately of mentioning guys that have advantages in points leagues or eight category leagues. But for the most part, this is a redraft nine category podcast. And we are expanding our offering at Hoopball with the all-rookie pod and punt intended the Fantasy NBA Dynasty podcast. Those things are incredible. Can't wait for you guys to check out punt intended. Punt intended. You had to kind of say it slowly. Otherwise, you're going to say the wrong name. That's coming out later today. They've already backfilled the show with four debut episodes, breaking down guys that ended the season strongly, that are sort of anomalous, uh, guys that ended the season poorly, and what that means the Horford Kemba trade, it's they've they've been busting it behind the scenes. And here's the coolest part of all: those are not the only two new podcasts coming to Hoopball. We have at least two others in the works, likely debuting here during the off season. F an off season. That's what I say. Do stuff. Do stuff with your off season. Fantasy off season, I guess. So let's dive into the handicapping side of things first, because that's uh, what the guys over on Today in Sports Betting are waiting for. And then those listeners will have the show end after that part. So if you're listening to Today in Sports Betting right now, you'll get this next segment, and then that'll be the end of the show. If you're listening to Fantasy NBA Today, we'll segue right on into breaking down the Clippers. Let's rock. Yesterday, the Clippers... This is the reality Clippers, not the fantasy Clippers. Beat the Suns in Phoenix, 116-102. Basically a wire-to-wire win. Paul George was incredible. 41-13-6, three steals, three threes, eight of eight at the free throw line. He was just terrific in every facet of the basketball game. Played defense, scored basically every time he touched the basketball. And there was nothing the Suns could do to slow him down, which, of course, sometimes in the NBA, if you run into a buzzsaw, you're just going to get beat. You know, it's funny, too. The Suns actually didn't play all that poorly in this game, at least from an offensive standpoint. It's why we gave out the over as our free play on yesterday's podcast, because the pace of every game in this series has been really close to the same, and it wasn't all that far off in this one. The Suns had, uh, Clippers, excuse me, had about 100 possessions, so it was actually a little bit slower there. But as we've talked about before, when you make shots, your number of possessions tends to decrease kind of artificially because you don't get offensive rebounds. The pace slows down a tiny bit more. Um, just because teams are taking it out from out of bounds through the hoop instead of long rebound, get out and run. And then over on the Phoenix side, they had about 108 possessions. A um, couple extra, uh, one extra rebound, more turnovers. I'm counting that, by the way, in the number of possessions. And for the first time in the series, the Suns actually out free-throwed. Free-through? <laughs> it's past tense of that. The Clippers, they took 20 LA, uh, got 15 in the ball game. So, once again, this one came down to which team was more efficient with their possessions. And it was a funny thing, too, because we, we talked about that last ball game where the teams got about 80, 85 shots apiece and, you know, a handful of free throws and a, not that many turnovers, pretty average number, and they put up 164 points. And how that total belied the fact that the game probably should have ended around 210. And so the reason I liked yesterday's over was because I thought, look, these teams just coming off the ultimate slugfest where no one could hit a shot, guarded or open, and that's going to normalize. And it did. Clippers made shots. This one went over by about a touchdown. 
Uh, total was 211.5 when we talked about it on the podcast. It closed at 213. It still went over by five points. And now, looking at the ballgame tomorrow, since those of you listening on today in sports betting, you won't hear from me again tomorrow. Phoenix is favored by one in L.A. with a total of 215. So that number's moved back up a little bit as per the 218 final total in this ballgame. I believe that 215 has basically long been the number that they should have been gunning for. When these totals were in the 220s, we were going under, under, under. It was on the 22nd and the 24th of this month. We went under in both of those. When the total dropped to 217.5 over the weekend, I actually thought there might be a chance it could creep up and over that mark, but I didn't ultimately do a show on that day, so it kind of didn't matter. Uh, That one, of course, went way under. But then they adjusted the number down from 217.5 to 211.5, that's a huge jump considering the pace of the ballgame didn't change. It was just that guys didn't make buckets. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And throughout the whole series, we we did this analysis on Fantasy NBA Today yesterday that basically you've been looking at teams getting between 100 and 105 possessions, fuzzy math style. We're doing a fuzzy math style in each game so far. So the total should have generally been, if it was a perfectly average offensive performance, about 210 in each one of these games. And then, of course, you had sort of the, the swing back in each direction, somewhere around 210, 215. It's, it's fluctuated a bit based on who was missing a ton of shots. Now, the, the one piece of analysis we had in the game from Saturday was that with all those missed shots, you actually saw the number of possessions go up because of all the running. So both teams had about 110 tries, turnovers, free throws, actual field goal trumps, whatever, in that game on Saturday. So that one, if the offense was better, you might have thought it was going to be closer to 220, but you have to adjust down for the fact that a couple of made buckets would have meant slightly fewer possessions. Yesterday, I think, was a perfect example of what happens when teams make about the number of buckets you expect. Clippers underperform, sorry, Phoenix underperformed Suns by about five, six points based on how many attempts they had to do something. And the Clippers overachieved, not, I mean, significantly by about 15. So uh, the teams went over the number, the pace expectation by about 10, give or take, and at a 218, remember. So again, the pace was right around 210. So 215 is a pretty good number, I think, for tomorrow's basketball game because this is the modern NBA. They are very good offensive players. The Clippers, I think, want to move a little quicker than the Suns do. 
If Kawhi was in there, the game would slow down a little bit more. Clippers know they need to move a little faster. They don't want to go up against the set Suns defense as often as possible. Phoenix, I think, would rather play a half-court game because they're very good in the half-court. So 215 is pretty reasonable. Assume the Clippers miss a couple of shots. Perhaps the pace is a little bit faster. But Phoenix makes a couple more. That may slow the game down a little bit more. So I, I think it balances itself out. You've seen a lot of games in this series just sort of hovering around this particular number. After that first weird one that went to 234, which both teams shot the ball well. Clippers, percentage-wise, not that great, but they had 23-pointers, so that sort of covered up whatever issue there. Then it was 207, uh, then it was 198, then it was 164, then it was 218. All of this is sort of circling around that 210 number. So if you're going to do anything tomorrow, you probably lean ever so slightly to the under but I'm probably leaving that one alone. I think they finally moved the number close to where it should be. And then on the side, I do think Phoenix ultimately closes out the series in L.A. Uh, Suns got caught a little bit with their pants down. I think they thought they were going to be able to take care of business here. Clippers just came out and hit everything, and that's probably not going to happen two games in a row. Sadly, sometimes the handicapping is just that easy to say, Paul George is not going to shoot 75% and get 40 points two games in a row. It's a pretty reasonable bet. Maybe he does it. What do you think the odds are he does it? One out of 20? One out of 10 at best? That's an odd I would fade. I also think Chris Paul is going to be better. He's slowly getting his legs back underneath him, so they'll be ready. Tonight, Milwaukee is in Atlanta. Currently, the Bucks are favored by seven points. That's up from four and a half, the spread of the game on Sunday, and it's not just because Milwaukee won by 11. It's because Trey Young is questionable, with a bone bruise, and the Hawks are battered and bruised at this point. Milwaukee is somehow, for the most part, staying healthy. Giannis has a slight tweak to his calf, but he's considered probable. Bogdan Bogdanovich hurt his knee. He's also probable. Here's the thing. There's no way I'm laying seven points with a road team in the conference finals. I'm just not. I don't care who's in or who's out. Frankly, on either side, unless the Hawks are missing like Trey and Capella and John Collins or something like that, then I'd probably have trouble taking seven points. But in a game like this, you have to at least look at the underdog. Even though Milwaukee's beat him up pretty good two games in a row, the last one, by the way, worth noting that Milwaukee did most of the upbeating towards the end of the ballgame. It was tight throughout. Milwaukee opened it up late. Chris Middleton had a 20-point quarter, and that really did the trick. But there's the Trey Young injury looming over everything. He had 35 points on 23 shots in that last ballgame, but if he's limited even a little bit, that pretty much removes the Atlanta offense. They're not going to get what they want against Milwaukee, who, again, they pretty much play their, they throw their fastball on defense, and the guy that can break it down a little bit is Trey Young. So this is, again, one of those situations where you sort of put all the pieces together and it points to, I don't know how on earth you make a bet before tip in a game where we don't really know what Trey Young's going to look like. It's, it's like if we were betting on the Suns and the Lakers games when we knew Anthony Davis wasn't 100% and he was giving it a go, that was a time where you wanted to fade L.A., if anything. Right now, I think this number is built on Trey Young either playing very hurt or not playing at all. So you might have an opportunity here in the midday to get down on Atlanta plus seven 
And if Trey Young is announced as a go for this ball game, you might see that line come back down to about Milwaukee by five. Not that two points is a juicy middle, but in a playoff game where every point is critical, two points is actually pretty good. Most middles you're looking for more like three to four, but that may be your best pre-game action on this ballgame is to try to set up a middling opportunity. And right now that would be to take Atlanta early and Milwaukee late. You could bet off of it if the line doesn't move, if Trey Young is still out or something like that. Although I do, I, I still think Atlanta keeps this game close. I don't think they get beat up uh, both times at home by double digits. And seven points isn't all that far inside double digits. So if, if you think this is a ball game in any way, shape, or form, you have to lean towards Atlanta. And after seeing the last one, and defensively, that's where things have really turned around a little bit because Milwaukee's still scoring a fair amount in these games. Atlanta really hasn't put up much in the way of points. The total is currently set at 218.5. That has been dropping like a boulder. It was 226 for game two, 225 for game one. That one finished at 229, so they didn't move it very much. Then the next one finished at a buck 14. No, buck 16. Excuse me. I can do my math right. Uh, they adjusted the total down by two. The next one finished at 215, and they adjusted the total down by six. So again, this is an expectation that there is no Trey Young in that ballgame. 218 and a half is starting to get kind of low for this series, especially because uh, Milwaukee, they'll run as often as they humanly can. So this is where I get to with this handicap. And another reason why I don't think I can advise betting it before the game starts. If Trey Young is playing, Atlanta will continue to do mostly what they've been doing. We have a pretty good feel for the kind of ball game you're going to get there. It's going to be a total probably between 215 and 225. If Trey Young sits it completely changes what both teams are doing. Milwaukee defensively can change what they're operating with. I don't know if they they have that game plan ready to go, but certainly for Atlanta, they'll probably try to limit the number of opportunities Milwaukee has in transition. So you might actually see a pretty slow ball game if the Hawks are laser-focused on getting back on defense, like not crashing the glass, retreating, setting up the half court, trying to make Milwaukee beat them in the half court, which they probably would without Trey, but certainly the open court, Giannis is the best open court player in this series, but Trey Young isn't all that far behind him. You take Trey out of the equation, there is a colossal drop-off. Now you've got Giannis, who's one of the preeminent open court players in the entire NBA, and on the Hawks, you have none. Lou Williams is not an open court guy. John Collins is not going to create. Bogdan Bogdanovich, he'll fire a transition three, but that's about as far as that goes. Herder, no. Gallo, no. These are guys that would rather try to get an open three-pointer in some sort of pick-and-roll offense, or Gallo might go ISO and try to get fouled. It totally changes the pace of the ballgame. I actually much preferred that series. It was early. It was Philly and Washington where Joel Embiid was ruled out and the total went down, even though his removal from the game was actually going to speed the game up. You take out the post presence. This is, this is the opposite. This is where the line is actually moving in the right direction based on the potential missing personnel. If Trey Young is out of the ballgame, offense will be harder to come by. The question is how much 
hate betting this game before tip. This is a live wagering game because I think Trey Young is going to play. And the question I have for betting this game is how healthy does he look? That's my advice on the two upcoming games in each of these series, game four in the Eastern Conference tonight and uh, game six. So stupid, by the way, that the West and the East are off by like three days in in how their games are happening. But game six in the Western Conference, that's on uh, tomorrow. And this is where today in sports betting basically uh, peels off. So make sure to follow at Hoopball Gaming, you today in sports betting listeners. Actually, Fantasy NBA Day, you guys can listen to the follow Hoopball Gaming as well to get all the amazing stuff. I've hit four free plays in a row through Hoopball Gaming. So another good reason to uh, to follow them over there. I am Dan Vespers. Have a great day today in sports betting listeners.